So obviously I'm still very young and there's still a lot more for me to achieve and do. And I'm sure you've experienced this to an even greater extent, but when you walk into the room and there's something which you've done, which is such a big part of your identity for you, I'm sure, being such a successful Paralympian, gold medalist and all of these things is a huge part of your identity but I'm sure it can cause a lot of people to start to kind of maybe pigeonhole you into one box and not necessarily see the other facets of who you are, your interests, your goals, and all of those other things. So I think for me, it's kind of just trying to strike the balance between embracing the fact that music is a big part of who I am. It's something which I'm super passionate about, which I love and have done for years, um, but also wanting to make sure that people can relate to me and connect with me on more possibly fundamental human levels than necessarily just seeing, oh, this person has done X, Y, and Z. That's quite interesting. I think that I want to learn more about that rather than maybe striking up just a genuine, genuine connection with somebody. Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold. Say yes to adventure. Say yes to living it. Welcome to Chris Waddell Living It, where we talk with experts in the experience of being human, people who have taken the risk to live fully. Today, we have Dennis Coleman. I met Dennis on the ski hill last year. We did the Deer Valley Ski with the Champion program, skied with him, his dad, one of his friends. And I, I was just captivated by Dennis. Uh, he's been a musician for a long time, a unique brand of alternative pop has headlined for or, or open for bands like the Vamps, Little Mix, which is what are they? The best selling girl group in in history, outselling the likes of Destiny Child. He had a, a solo tour that was set up for this fall or for this summer, but didn't actually it got canceled or got postponed. And what's interesting to me is he's had an amazing career in music, but he is about to start at the University of Pennsylvania. And I want to see where he is going to go, both with his music and with the rest of his life. Dennis, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. It is such a pleasure and an honor to be on this awesome show. And I'm super, super excited to dive into all of those, all of those exciting chapters that you just mentioned. Well, it's really interesting to look at the look at the music and look at school, because when I talked to you last year when we were skiing together, you were saying that you weren't going to study music and that you were really going to kind of focus on focus on school, which to me, I took as in some ways you were going to focus on being a grown up. Did I, did I infer too much in what you said back then? I think that there was definitely an element of wanting to have that progression and feel like I was sort of reaching the next stage of life and of experience and, and trying to sort of bring something new to the mix. Um, but I think that for me, it was almost more just trying to have new experiences and push myself to take a hold of that opportunity, uh, which had come my way, uh, and not necessarily, not necessarily move away from music, but kind of just try to add more to the mix and really just 
go for everything that was that was possible at the time. Which makes perfect sense. It's kind of an interesting thing. As you're anticipating going to school, you, you've had a career and, and people know who you are. I can look you up on the internet and things come up. There are stories, there are videos, there are a variety of different things. And then starting school with a group of people who also are supremely talented, maybe not necessarily in the same way, how do you see those conversations go? Do you lead with the, hey, I'm a musician? Do you not tell people that you're a musician? Do you try to try to find your yeah. way separate it's, from what you've done? Or how does that work? It's always a it's always a question that I sort of grapple with to an extent. Obviously, I'm still very young and there's still a lot more for me to achieve and do and i'm sure you've experienced this to an even greater extent but when you walk into the room and there's something which you've done which is such a big part of your identity for you i'm sure being such a successful paralympian gold medalist and all of these things is a huge part of your identity but i'm sure it can cause a lot of people to start to kind of maybe pigeonhole you into one box and not necessarily see the other facets of who you are your interests your goals and all of those other things. So I think for me, it's kind of just trying to strike the balance between embracing the fact that music is a big part of who I am. It's something which I'm super passionate about, which I love and have done for years, um, but also wanting to make sure that people can relate to me and connect with me on more possibly fundamental human levels than necessarily just seeing, oh, this person has done X, Y, and Z. That's quite interesting. I think that I want to learn more about that rather than maybe striking up just a genuine, genuine connection with somebody. You you said X, Y, Z. So you've maintained the American side <laughs> as well, right? I did. Yeah. I read. I read something where where some guy said he had a, he had a lovely American accent, which I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say that he had a lovely American accent before. <laughs> but X, Y, Z as opposed to xyz and but but opposed to being sort of that two-dimensional character right where it's the character that you see in on the internet or you see and you oh well i know who that guy is he's he's a pop star sure but it seems like the evolution is something that's so important and you've also done a lot of activism too right where where you're helping kids on the anti-bullying side on the mental health side and, and a lot of that is getting beyond what we think we see. What's been the impetus for that? Has that been something that's been entirely personal that has brought you to, to wanting to talk about it and, and help represent people who are underrepresented in some ways? Yeah, absolutely. For me, it was it, 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 that, that sort of impetus really came when I was quite young. I was about 15 years old. Um, one of my closest friends, closest family friends, had been struggling with a period of depression and going through all sorts of different challenges. But I think the thing which really kind of kickstarted this, this desire to be an activist was not necessarily that he was struggling, but it was how oblivious I was to that fact for so long. It took me months and it took his family months and it took pretty much everyone around him a long period of time to actually notice that something was wrong and to realize exactly what had been going on in his head. 
And for me, it was that obliviousness, that sort of lack of awareness that was so striking and so concerning. And I, and I, I thought, you know, at, at 15, my thought process was quite simple, but I think quite important, which was how many other kids are out there that are also going through the same thing, but have nobody to turn to, no one to talk to, have no real system in place to communicate what's going on and to get connected to the help that they need. Um, and so what happened at that point is while all of this was sort of going on in my personal life, my music career had just started to get going and I had the opportunity to join a charity, which was all about raising awareness for mental health and going into schools. And these two things sort of coincided perfectly for me. So I started working with this charity and we would go into schools, we would do these couple, like maybe two or three weeks here and there of a tour, just go visiting 10, 15, 20 schools and trying to give talks to the students there, start these conversations, bring up these issues. And it was unbelievable to see the response because even in just you know 60 minutes of music and conversation, there would be dozens of students afterwards who said that that conversation had given them the confidence or had let them know that it is okay to speak about the various, various challenges that they were coping with. So for me, that kind of opened my eyes to the, the possibilities there to, to have an impact, even if it's just on a, a handful of students here and there, if you do it enough, you know, you, you really start to start to make that difference. And that's something which I've carried on doing ever since and plan to continue in a certain fashion at Penn as well. Do you feel like as someone who is who has been in the in the spotlight that you are more capable that, that you know let's say you look at the mental health side of things you look at the insecurity which is you know there's a fair amount of of mental health issue coming out of the insecurity yeah. but then you're in a business where insecurity can be a huge part of of your daily life where you're you're on top at the moment and then and then somebody's willing interested in knocking you down where do i fit how do i this this single was great but then i've got to produce something else it, it, it's a hard like you know sort of the janet jackson right what have you done for me lately kind of thing and do you, do you think you're more qualified as a result of having had the success but also having had to deal with the difficulties yeah. on a daily basis to be I able mean, to communicate yeah it's it is such a it's such a um extreme sort of position to be in when it comes to music and especially pop music where the line between the artist and the art and the song and the identity and the brand that you're putting forward is so blurred they're so connected so it can very easily feel like if people whether people react positively or negatively to your music, a lot of that comes onto you as a person as well, because they're so interwoven. Um, and so I think that while this is maybe a unique set of challenges that the average person might not necessarily come into contact with, it's definitely something which plays on my mind and, and has affected my mental health in varying, in varying degrees over time. Um, but I think that for me, more than necessarily having a unique insight i feel like it's more about having a unique responsibility um and having this position of reach where if i 
say something or I campaign for something, you know, there's a few more thousand people that might see it than if someone else did. I feel like that position gives me that responsibility to make sure that what I do say or do has a benefit outside of just, you know, helping to boost my career slightly or, or, you know, some other sort of sort of purpose along the lines of that. It sounds like you've been talking just in this brief conversation about filling yourself out as as a round human being, not being a two dimensional, you know, poster or something, you know, like which which I'm sure there are many posters of you out there, but trying to fill out that round person, which is which is essentially giving other people permission to be who they are as well. If you're willing to do it in the public eye, it allows somebody else without necessarily as much scrutiny to be able to say, yeah, this is who I am. And, and it's not a finished product. Yes. How did this work for you? Like back, I mean, you wrote your first pop song when you were 10 years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny little 10 year old at the piano, like reaching up to the keys, trying to poke out a little tune. What did you know at 10 years old? Like, how did you, how did you come about doing, writing a pop song and, and, and then knowing what you wanted to talk about? And I'd imagine there's an evolution as well. Yes, there's, there's such an evolution and you've touched on such a great sort of existential human question, which is about, you know, identity and being versus becoming um, and how that plays into music. And I think that for me, my transition is, as a writer has kind of mirrored the path of, of growing up in many ways. And so as a kid writing as a little, you know, 10 year old who could have the squeaky voice and could barely play the piano trying to sort of make a song. I think for me, it was all about imitation really at that age. And it was sort of looking at the artists who I looked, who I enjoyed, who I looked up to, who inspired me and thinking, what are they doing? That seems really cool. I wonder if I could do that too. And so that was kind of what started it for me. It was trying to emulate others. Um, and then after a few years, I started to get more of a sense for what I wanted to do myself. And so the ideas became a little bit more uh, self-driven rather than taking from all of these different inspirations. Uh, and then as time goes on, I think now I'm in a place nearly 10 years down the, down the line where it's almost completely self-driven. Obviously I take a lot of influence and inspiration from the artists around me, but my number one goal is no longer to do something as good as something else, but to just create something which feels fresh, new, and also true to myself and, and an accurate representation of myself. And I think that as pop stars or rock stars or musicians, artists, people in that public eye, what, what they and what we have the ability to do is to show that sort of complete commitment to originality and to self and to show that, you know, if you look at the greatest throughout history, they all did something unique and maybe a little bit weird, a little bit out there that no one had done before. And what was so special and what connected so much is that 
people might not say, oh, I'm just like, you know, Michael Jackson, I do the same things every day, but it was Michael Jackson is just like Michael Jackson. And he is fully committed to this larger than life persona or whoever it might be, this band have fully committed to all of these different things that make them them. Maybe I can commit to the, the little aspects that make me me and try and just have that sense of, of comfort and willingness to be my, you know, true self without sounding a little bit cheesy, but that's kind of, that's kind of what it boils down to. I think. It's the same thing in sports where the hardest thing to do is to let go. Hmm. You do your work, you do your preparation, and then you almost have to give it its own life. And, yeah. and in music, it's got to be that same where if you hold on so tightly, yeah, that it's never it's never going to become anything and you kind of have to take that little bit of a that risk to really say yeah this is this is my voice how does that voice develop because I mean this is something that just interests me like how do you how do you tell that story I've been reading uh, Jeff Tweedy's book on how to write one song and it's interesting because he talks about you know at certain times like bringing like playing with words and words that you think that, that, that just sort of a whole bunch of words and put them together. And, and then they eventually sort of, sort of create something in some ways so based on what you like, because we have an emotional connection to this, or it sounds good or whatever it is. How is that process? Because it sounds like you have a fair amount of a thematic approach yes. to your songs. Do you go in with a theme? Do you go in with an idea? Do you go in with a bunch of ideas and all of a sudden something pops out that you go, whoa, where did that happen? Or how does it work? Yeah, so I'm I'm very thematic focused. Generally, I focus on trying to have a lot of consistent ideas and, and tones between songs within different phases that I release them and trying to have that cohesiveness. Um, in terms of the writing process for me, I do always come in with what well, I sort of like to consider a little backup or a plan B, which is a somewhat assembled song idea, a lyric maybe with a melody or a chorus, which I can always have in my back pocket in case the writing process isn't flowing and I wanna just fall back on something which I know is there. However, most of the time it is a very organic, free flowing, creative process. Um, I'm a big fan of collaboration. So almost every song that I put out, I collaborate with generally one person, maybe two people. Um, and we sit in a room together and just bounce ideas off of each other for the guitar melodies, the production, the drums, the lyrics, the melodies, all of that. Um, and when it comes to writing the song itself, the, you know, the vocal line and, and melodies and lyrics, I think that for me, it's a very, it's, it's a, a sort of phenomenon, which I find very interesting, um, where frequently I just write and I just see what comes out, what feels natural and the words that sit well in my head. I obviously go through to make sure that I'm making sense. I'm not just, you know, chatting complete gibberish, but I sort of write this story as it feels natural and it flows with the music and the mood and on the day of the session, it may just feel like a song, but what happens is I look back generally after maybe a week or a couple of days, I listen back to the recording and I start to pick out what exactly 
has inspired the song. And I, and I often find that something which has been maybe weighing on me or something that's happened in my life recently, a challenge, a person, an experience, a relationship has somehow crept in there and weaved its way into influencing the song. And it's not always a conscious effort at the start to say, all right, today I want to write about this thing that happened last Thursday. It's almost more, I just let it go. And then I start to realize just how specific it is. And it has, it has related to some, some sort of thing, which has happened in my, in my personal life. So that's kind of how it generally works for me. It's a, it's almost a process of self-discovery at times to listen back to my music and try and pinpoint which moments and, and, you know, experiences led to all of the different things that I've, I've written about. Well, so much of it's kind of like your subconscious, which is ultimately sort of what's processing our lives. And we, we're living in the conscious life, but then the subconscious is sort of doing the work below the surface. And yes, and you're right and go, oh, okay, that's something that's really interesting. Can we expand on that? Can we highlight that? Can we do whatever? The, the being in the studio, I've been watching the Beatles documentary. The, yeah. the Let It Be documentary, which, which as an outsider, watching that process happen where you're talking about a variety of different people, a variety of different instruments kind of yeah. coming together. And what's really cool is this, this sense of play. And you're doing a little bit of something here and somebody else is doing something and it kind of sort of comes together. But as the audience, for me, I looked at it and went, what an amazing confidence yeah. to be able to allow yourself to play, to be able to be comfortable in your ability Yes, to, to produce it and just sort of go into song as somebody else is doing something, you know, you start singing something or whatever, and it comes out or, and, and maybe you don't have the lyrics, maybe you do have the lyrics does it feel like it, what it looked like to me or are you guys just kind of like just in it and just having fun and something comes out of it? So it, it's kind of a mix. And it's like, for me, I feel like creating the best songs is in many ways all about chaos and kind of controlled chaos. And as musicians, we have sort of a path that we follow, which is hemmed in by the key and the time signature and the chord progression and a few things which we all kind of hold in common as musicians within a song. However, once you're in that song, the beauty of music is that the combinations are pretty much endless. And there's no real way to say that one option is better than the other besides it sounds good to me or it doesn't sound good. And so when you're in that position, it really is about just committing to that chaos and trying everything until it feels right uh and i think that to really do that successfully you totally you you fundamentally do need to have confidence in your ability to do that and to commit to that um and generally i think that because i've been composing and writing music and and performing since such a young age a lot of that confidence has sort of been built into me over time and has given me that that ability to really thrive in that situation. Um, however, I do occasionally have moments where I sort of take my head out of being 
fully in there and, and, and think a little bit more critically and deeply about what I'm doing. And that can be very sometimes damaging to the creative process. What I mean by that is maybe I'm writing something and then I start thinking, oh, is this good? Are my ideas good enough? Am I adding, am I contributing to this conversation? Or is, you know, is my friend over there providing most of the good ideas? Maybe I should just back off and, and go with that. And once you start second guessing, that's when it all sort of starts to fall apart and, and the ideas aren't as free and as organic and natural. And so I think it's it's about really taking that leap to just have that complete confidence in your ear and your uh, your ideas and just fully go for it, I think, to make that that jump work. It's like the self-consciousness takes you out of the moment, right? Yes. That you go, oh, okay, the moment is the thing that you're trying to achieve. And the self-consciousness of, is this good? Is it not good? Are they doing well? Are they... Do you are you able to consider maybe on a subliminal kind of level the audience as well? Like, do you do you have sort of a muse kind of thing? Do you have do you have somebody that you're writing for, somebody in the audience? I saw you said that that when you're on stage, you will you, you will do uh, a, a full line. You'll 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 sing a full line to directly to one person. Maintain. Yes eye contact which is incredibly intimate yeah it is it is it's a it's a crazy crazy feeling doing that and it and it, it took me I think a bit of time to be able to do that because like you said it is unbelievably intimate to sing a, a line looking directly into generally a stranger's eyes someone who you've never met before and have that sort of extreme connection for a few seconds it's something which I think as an audience member is very special when you feel like you have that connection with the performer. And as a performer, it's a way for me to really feel like I'm connecting with the audience. Um, but yeah, it is a, it is a crazy, crazy sort of moment. And, and when I'm in the studio and I'm writing, writing the music, there are sort of, there's a multitude of, of factors that do influence me. So the number, number one, driver is my sort of creative outlook what I want to create but I'm also thinking about what is the audience going to feel when I play this live how is the audience going to feel when they listen to this on Spotify how are people in the industry going to react to this this track if they hear it how are my family and friends going to react and all of these things play into the conversation sometimes on that first level of me making a comment, oh, I don't know if this line is gonna really work in this situation, sometimes just subconsciously and me naturally sort of steering away or steering towards certain topics. Um, but I do think that there are, there is a real plethora of different influences and factors that come in. And I think that the sweet spot with it is finding how to let all of these influences and all of these motivations sort of take sort of fit around the key impetus and the key flow of the songwriting and, and hold everything in place and keep sort of ticking away around it, but really allowing that sense of chaos to guide it. And I wonder, do you experience something like that 
in as a, as a sports person as well, when you get there to the top of the mountain and obviously your technical expertise and know-how is tremendous and you've been practicing these techniques, but does there come a moment where you have to kind of trust that all of that is going to keep ticking and just sort of fly and, and go for it and, and start doing what you know how to do and kind of leave all of those small intricate thoughts on the wayside or how does that sort of feel for you? No, it's, it's, it's the same thing. And, and in some ways, I think that it's a matter of figuring out strategies and techniques, you know, to be able to get yourself little tricks, to get yeah. yourself beyond your self-consciousness, to get beyond the critics, to get beyond, because it, it's interesting as you were talking about it, like I've often thought that the best way to be universal is to be as personal as possible. But then yeah. that's being honest that's being vulnerable and, and and you're talking about a variety of different audiences right where you're talking about your family and your family's like really like Dennis are you are you actually thinking that are you okay do we need to get into something you know or or whatever you know and 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 yeah so those are big questions right those are big big concerns is my family going to be okay with this are my are my fans going to be okay Am am I presenting a completed thought? Yeah. Or an embryonic thought. Hmm. And, and there's there's something there's something fine with with both of them, but yeah. to a certain extent, it's sort of like a a a you know a performance and athletic performance, a musical performance, and something has to have a life of its own in some ways. And so like one of the things I would try to do before I got through the start, before I started a race was to convince myself that I'd made a mistake because mm -hmm. then I lost, then I didn't have the expectations. I didn't have the attachment to this sense of success. It was like, okay, you've already made a mistake. You've already lost everything. Like, just go. Interesting. Yeah. And so, so I don't know if there's something, you know, if there's that trick for you of like getting on stage and going, okay, now this is it. We're going right into it as opposed to try to like warm into it, find your footing, find your place within this space, within this audience. Is there anything that you kind of do that's like, okay, yeah. here we go. It's time to perform. It's actually something somewhat similar to that. Um, somewhat, somewhat similar to sort of saying, convincing yourself that you've made a mistake. I think for me, it's about really letting go of any preconceived notions of what I need to do or be on stage. And I think for my personal style and way that I perform is very, very free flowing. It involves quite a lot of improvisation. The music itself doesn't leave much room for improvisa improvisation, but I kind of find a way to bring that in, in the way that I'm, I move across the stage and structure the show and create moments with individual fans. I, I really try to go on stage with very little rigidness in what I do and, and a lot of freedom and just sort of say, and, and what I do say to myself mentally is what happens, happens, and it is what it is. And rather than sort of pumping myself up, like this has to be your best show ever. You have to do this, do that, blah, 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 blah. I just sort of think to myself, 
I could go on stage. I could fall over or, you know, tumble off the stage, forget my words, but it is what it is. And I think that I'll be able to get through it no matter what happens. And it's kind of just trusting in that ability that whatever happens, I'll hopefully be able to figure it out somehow. That really gives me the confidence to be able to go for it. Um, it almost feels like a counterintuitive thing. You'd think that maybe you should be hyping yourself up, pump, like setting higher, higher focus, but sometimes removing that pressure, removing all of those external distractors and just saying what is, will be, I'll commit to that and have fun and do the best that I can, but not focus on, you know, what that means for anything outside of the next 20 minutes that I'm on the stage. That's kind of how I, how I go about it. It's, it's really similar. I do a lot of speaking, right? So it's a similar kind of thing. And there've been times that I've, that I've been on stage and I open my mouth and things come out. Yeah. And it's almost out of body in some ways where you, you kind of, wow, like that actually sounds intelligent and, and you made sense. And, and, and does stuff like that happen for you where you, you kind of like, you have the confidence to put yourself into that position. Yeah. You know that something will happen, but then there's a surprise part. There is such a surprise part. And in, in the public speaking that I've done as well, in terms of awareness for mental health and, and these sort of things, I do have that very strange sensation of sort of going to speak about something, not really being sure what I'll say. And the words are flowing out and coming out even before I've fully formed the thoughts, but it doesn't sound terrible. Like it does make sense. It is English. It is an actual sentence and it starts to kind of go and, and you just go with the flow. And it takes, I think it's that extra step of confidence. Um, it, there's that initial step to get into that position, which is can be super scary for people. It can be, it has been scary for me before, but I think I've, I've found a way to really combat the nerves quite well, but which is putting yourself in that position to begin with, being in a public speaking situation, going out on stage to perform, going out on the mountain in a race, whatever it might be. Um, and then there's the confidence to go for it when you're in that position. And that's sometimes where, like you said, you don't even fully know what you're doing. It doesn't always feel like an active choice. Sometimes it feels like, back to what we were talking about before, the subconscious kind of pulls through, pulls you through that situation. Sometimes I'm on stage and there's that, moment of silence before a song begins and it feels like a sort of it could be an infinite period of time where there's there's no sound I'm not doing anything of you know what's going on and then the song starts and instantly I'm back in it even before I've necessarily made a conscious choice to go back in it and um, I think that's such a such a a weird thing that we do but it's a very it's a very special moment as well when when it does click and it starts going and you sort of realize that you know all right you're on the ride let's let's enjoy it well some of it the opposite can be really difficult right if you're stuck in your head it's yeah. like you miss the timing yeah I, I feel like as, a, as an athlete it was I had to teach my body instinct I had to teach my body what to do so that I didn't have to think about it because if I had to think about it it was too slow. 
it slowed me down. There are artists who talk about being like a conduit, that it's almost like you don't necessarily own your art, that it's almost something that passes through you and you have to let it, let it come through you. Do you, do you espouse that theory or, or do you feel something different? I, I think that I do feel that to an extent. Um, I think like, especially in terms of being on stage, I, I truly do very often feel like a conduit and feel like the music, not me is what is directing the show and everything that I'm doing is is not really in an effort to control the music it's really just trying to let the music control me and everything that I do all of my movements across the stage when I want to slow it down when I want to build it up when I you know have a moment with one of my musicians and we and we connect on stage or I connect with a fan whatever it is I do feel like the music has to be what's driving it and like you mentioned, sometimes, um, especially earlier on, sometimes I would get in my head and start questioning what I'm doing. Does this look right? How does this look from the outside? Sort of trying to put myself in a different position and weigh up all of the different um, ways that people might be judging the performance and, and judging me. And that would often take me out of it and it would disrupt the flow and disrupt the the energy whereas when I put all of those different you know boxes that I supposedly had to tick out of my mind and just really focused on what is the music telling me and pushing me and you know shoving me towards right now and just fully committing to that I think that's when the best performances happen and it really is about providing that frame that sort of backbone of the show in terms of practice rehearsals so that when I get on stage I'm not thinking about the each little step, but I'm really just flowing through that experience and being being driven by the music. Being driven by the music. And so you are writing the music, you're performing the music, but you're also producing and co-producing yes. a lot of your music. Does that, being so involved in each step along the way, does that give you the perspective to be able to, you know, sometimes unlock that one little that one little thing do you sometimes need somebody else to to say hey this song isn't working because of this or it is working because of that how does how does that work when you're so integrated into each each performance or each song each creation it is um I've, i think first and foremost i'm i'm very lucky to be in that situation and i know a lot of musicians who have been in positions where they don't have any creative control really. And they're sort of forced to just sing whatever is handed their way and be whoever they're told to be. Um, and so having that freedom is a huge privilege, um, but it can also be very scary and unnerving to have complete creative control and to be the one who's written the song, created the sound, produced the sound, translated it to a show, written the video directed the video and sort of done all of these different things around it it feels like it's definitely me it feels very true to me um but it's very hard for me then to judge whether it's you know objectively good or bad which is already a hard thing to judge when it comes to art but it does 
provide the occasional moments of self-doubt and uncertainty where maybe I'm listening to a track and I have a few changes that I want to make. And then I start questioning, do I need to do this? Am I, you know, I may have collaborated on this song with someone who's been doing this for 15 years and has, you know, 20 hits and I'm just a random like 17 year old kid trying to create this vision. What do I really know? What do I have to add here? Should I just like leave it? But I think to take it to the next level as an artist, it is important to back yourself and to have that, that confidence to say, no, I, I hear something specific and I'm going to make that, that thing that I hear in my head, you know, become a real, a real sound and become a real song and just commit to it. Um, but it can be very, very scary and very uh, just unsettling to not have the validation, I guess, of, of, of someone else who you trust being the, the main source. You kind of have to just fully trust yourself, which is, can be a, a difficult task at times. Which is not to say that you don't have advisors, I wouldn't imagine, right? I don't know this yeah, for sure. No, so there are, I still do have obviously collaborators in the tracks and my manager is involved. I'm not creating in a complete bubble. Um, I know some people do do that and I, I don't think that's the best way, but I think that taking that sort of frontman role and, and being the one, it, what it essentially means is even if I'm not, uh, directly doing every little aspect of it, I kind of have that director's role of at the end of the day, I have to approve it or or disprove it. I have to choose this sound or say no to that sound. Or so no matter what's going on at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to me. I have the responsibility to make the key choices. Um, and yeah, I have to I have to stick with them. Making key choices and you've created an, an image as well. I mean, you talk about how you move on stage, how you dress on stage. Yeah. How has that evolved? I, I'd imagine as a 10 year old kid, do you get on stage and start moving around and, and you've got your dance moves and you've got, how does, how does that work? Are you picking yeah. up influences? Are you, it really does evolve so much over time and it it changes so much um yeah from the start of being being that 10 year old kid songwriting um i think i was very dependent on a on a piano even to start off with so in those first few years of performing i always had to be sitting at the piano and playing playing the piano and then singing along to that if if you told me to just stand and sing I wouldn't know what to do I probably wouldn't know what to do with my hands I wouldn't know what to do with my feet I just sort of awkwardly stand there and try and sing um and it, it took a long time to kind of evolve that as I got a little bit older and I started thinking about what sort of performer I wanted to be I would I would watch tons of of videos of other performers and take things on from you know, modern hip hop shows to take the the pure energy and excitement to watching Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones in, in the 60s and the way that he commands the stage, um, Freddie Mercury, all of the sort of all time great live performers and trying to... Is that part of it? The commanding the stage? Is that sort of the 
the, the yes. root of it? That is the root for me. And it's, it's the body language. It's the freedom. Um, it's, it is really about commanding the stage. And that's the, I think the impact that I want to make when it comes to my show, I want to be someone who really does command the stage, who takes up space, who brings energy, who pumps up the audience. Um, that's kind of my ultimate goal when it comes to my, my live performances. And so for me, it was a process over many years of taking on these different inspirations and just practicing being on stage and getting comfortable in that place, which for most people I would say is distinctly outside the comfort zone. But for me, it was kind of turning that place into my own comfort zone. And I feel like I'm at a, at a stage now where performing arguably is my comfort zone. It's somewhere where I feel that's where I want to be. I feel my most, you know, true self there. It's, it's weird how that has kind of turned out. The most alive, I would imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you describe your style, both your style of movement on stage and your style, your, your fashion style, if I can call it that? Sure. I think it's, it's a real mix of elements. There's some, in terms of the style, uh, it's, it stretches from, in terms of, you know, practical looks, a lot of uh, patterned jeans, sweaters, uh, knitwear, sometimes more up, up, up fashion looks. But I think the, the real, you know, stylistic influences are everything from punk and some of Vivian Westwood's influences to more modern looks. Um, in terms of street wear and casual wear and, and, and kind of just trying to create a look which feels a bit larger than life, a bit more exciting than something that you might just see on the street, whether that's more colorful or, or more intense um, or just a, something that creates a silhouette maybe, which is striking and trying to kind of play with all of these different influences. Um, and then in terms of my movement on stage, for me, it is always about the energy and the different little building blocks I use to create that. Um, as I touched on before, they take influence from, you know, some of the hand movements of maybe a hip hop artist, a Kendrick Lamar, Drake, um, some people who are so far from the type of music I make, but then the way that I structure the performance and the stance, the sort of ferocity almost of the performance I think might you might see elements of someone like Mick Jagger um, and having that sort of trying to attempt to create that rock star persona that brazen confidence that where the movement is almost beyond movement it's more just expression and energy and and, and flow and it's it's very hard um, to really capture that mindset in words, um, but it's all about just having that impact so that when I am on stage, for me, it, it, it's just having that big, big moment, um, even if it's just for a few minutes where you really leave a lasting impression on someone and, and hopefully shake up the room a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, as 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 I was watching, I mean, some of the some of the clothes with the you talk about the knits, like oversized knits, like oversized sweaters. Uh, there was there was one suit that you were wearing that was like blue and red stripe that had to be, I mean, the stripes had to be three or four inches wide kind of thing. I mean, it's almost Alice in Wonderland. It's yes. almost, uh, you know, David Bowie in some ways, like the theatrical part of the show. It's not necessarily just the content of the show, but it's the theatrics. It's it's going it's going someplace different. Yes, absolutely. It's I think it's it's just trying to give that little you know influx of something different, something exciting, something fresh. Um, and taking inspiration from people like David Bowie, who did have that huge theatrical element to their show, even someone like The Weeknd, who has come from a sort of low, almost lo-fi hip-hop R&B background, and has gone on to create essentially a cinematic universe for his album, um, and in terms of everything from the styling to the videos to the sound, um, for me, it's it's kind of taking all these influences and, and trying to add a bit of theatricality, almost a, a bit of a cinematic feel to the performance and whether it is taking that Alice in Wonderland-esque um, sort of suit or perhaps I'm wearing a, a you know vintage sweater that's sort of torn apart and has this character to it. Um, all of these different things are just are just sort of striving to to fit that box and, and to be a, a look that when I see it, I feel is exciting, is different, is fresh. That's kind of the, the goal for me. I've always wondered this, how much of what who you are on stage is then who you are in your individual life. I mean, I remember reading about Keith Richards where he and his girlfriend were like, you know, exchanging clothes, you know, like he'd, he'd wear her clothes out or whatever, you know, it's like, is that the mark of being a rock star when you are the person on stage in your everyday life? There's no, there's no back and forth. Or mm -hmm. are you somebody on stage and then, you know, you're in your everyday life, maybe there's a little bit of that style, but you're not necessarily as I want to say flamboyant is the word that, that comes to mind, theatrical uh, in your everyday life kind of thing. Yeah, I think for me, there is quite a um, there is quite a difference between the two uh, and my sort of onstage persona versus in real life, even um, in terms of everyday, you know, styling and fashion, there will be there's quite a difference there in terms of what I wear. Um, but even in terms of my you know, personality and energy in my day-to-day -day life, I would consider myself quite a chilled person, quite relaxed, um, uh, sometimes even a bit, a bit heady and, and, you know, very like philosophical at times even, whereas on stage, it's all about just living in the moment and that, and trying to sort of have that bravado and confidence and energy. Um, and so there is a bit of a difference there, but what, I sometimes question, and I'm not sure I have the answer to this yet, is which character is the real one and which is an imposter? Because 
the natural response would be to say, oh, you're sort of playing this character on stage. But sometimes I wonder if maybe it's the other way around and on stage, I'm sort of my true self and maybe off stage, I go back to, you know, I put on the hat of being a student or a son or a friend and I, I'm not maybe a hundred percent just Dennis. I'm not fully sure. I think I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm only that person on stage, but I do think there's something to be said for it not being such a clear cut, you know, true self and, and, and put on character. I'm, I'm not quite sure where that line is drawn yet. Well, you said you feel most alive when you're on stage. Yes, I do feel most alive. And I, and that feeling of being alive and fully being in the moment and bringing to life something which bringing to life my music, which is something which I've already brought to life in terms of creating it out of nothing. That is an unparalleled feeling of vitality, feeling alive um, and feeling super personal and super genuine. And so I, I do think that there's a lot to be said for maybe my onstage, my onstage persona is maybe the most, you know, accurate depiction of, of who I am. The most genuine. And, but yet there's, there's a bit of that desire to sort of retreat to the, to the background sometimes in mm. your everyday life. Am, am I, am I picking that up as well? Yeah, a little bit. I think that, I think it it, it is really a balance because I do obviously love performing and, and being in that position. Um, but then again, I'm not someone who is sort of built to constantly be the center, the focus. Um, sometimes I do take more of a background role. Um, sometimes I can be a bit of an introvert and, and need that time, you know, to, to myself to get my headspace right and, and refocus and re-energize. Uh, so I think that there definitely does have to be a balance struck there. I've definitely heard that with the introvert extrovert. I often say that I'm a professional extrovert and a personal introvert. Interesting. Yeah. That it really is kind of where you where you uh, empower yourself, where where you regain your power. You know, where you recharge is is, is do you do it when you're in front of people with people. Or do you do it on your own? And for me, I really do it on my own. I recharge on my own. And yep. so it sounds like there might be something sort of similar for you. Absolutely. I think it's, I, I definitely relate to that sentiment of a professional extrovert, personal introvert. Um, and I, I do have the same thing. I think when I am with people I and I'm in, whether I'm with people socially or in that professional environment, performing, writing i thrive there i enjoy it and i i i definitely would describe myself as quite an extroverted person i think a lot of people might assume that about me um but i do need to have that personal time and i think as a creative individual that personal time is really key to keeping my extroverted creative side ticking along and functioning and when I go to the studio to write a song or, or choose a topic, the only reason that I have any sense of what to grasp at and what to talk about is because for the previous several months or years, 
that introverted side is kind of trying to stay in touch with me and the themes that are important to me, the ideas that are sort of ticking along through time and being able to be in touch with myself and my own thoughts is what allows me to then extrapolate from that into creating song or, or, or whatever it might be, you know, in those other, other environments. And sharing those thoughts. Yes. Right. To, to be welcome enough and, and comfortable enough to, to share those thoughts and developed enough actually in your thinking too. One of the themes that you talk about is the idea of dopamine, right? The, the dopamine that with regard to social media and, and sort of the pandemic of, of, of what we have or epidemic of, uh, of, of getting these, these quick hits. How does that, can I take that onto a personal level for you as a performer? So you're on stage and everybody in the audience falls in love with you. There, there is nothing better than, than that feeling of communicating who you are, what you're all about, what you're working on and having that received. Yeah. And you leave the stage and, and you leave that. Yes. What is that like? One, doing that on stage, but two, now leaving at least for a little while, performing, yeah, and, and going to school and knowing that you're not necessarily going to get that same rush, which I'd imagine you get yeah. to a point that you need it. You do a hundred percent. It's like you said, it is very it is unparalleled that sort of feeling um, and it can be very addictive. Uh, and there's always periods after, after a tour finishes um, where I need maybe at least a week or two weeks, sometimes more to feel like I've at least semi recovered from that and get back into sort of like an even, even keel um, in terms of, I guess you could call it mental health, but it's really just that state of mind um, because it's still kind of clinging to that that dopamine and that hit, that excitement of, of being on stage. So now going into a period of time where I probably won't be performing live for the next few months at least is it's a it's going to be a, a new sort of playing field almost. It's a new, a new playing field, a new uh, world of of experiences and ups and downs. And I'm, I'm looking forward uh, and intrigued to see which are the things which provide that same sort of buzz. It might never provide the exact same buzz, but there will be other things which drive me um, in terms of what I'm learning, what I'm doing, what I can add to the community, what I can uh, create and, and produce myself there. Um, so I think it's going to be, it's definitely going to be a new set of, of challenges and successes to take into account. Um, but yeah, that concept of, of dopamine and, and how it, and, and what it, you know, symbolizes in terms of mental health is something which has been so pivotal. And I think that the period of time during the pandemic of such a lack of activity and change just amplified everything that followed for me. You, you've been on this journey. And it, I mean, in, in some ways you've thrown yourself into the cauldron, right? I mean, it's like you, you are 
a you've been a public person for a really long time in, in a nascent state in a lot of ways, right? I mean, starting out as a as a 10-year-old, but it seems like you embrace this idea of continuing to grow both as a person and and as an artist because obviously it's going to make your art better yeah if, if you continue to grow what are the things that that drive you like what are you looking forward to studying to touch on that that previous point as well um i do think that it is a, a big reason um and a big sort of mindset shift that allowed me to rationalize going to college and doing such a big change um was those gained experiences and new environment that I would find myself in and, and the possibilities that would you know ensue for creativity and the new stories that I would have to tell the new um all of the new things I would I would want to write about um in terms of what I'm most excited to learn about I think that there's there's so much un, unknown for me and I'm, I'm planning to uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not fully decided on a major yet but I'm planning to veer off a little bit into the world of philosophy and economics and even politics as well as the music and kind of embrace this other side um, and I think what what really drives me is understanding the way that the world and people kind of connect with each other and how that is and why that is. And while there is a lot out there to describe it, there is still so much unknown. And so for me, what really gets me excited is where the forces that drive people and music can interconnect. And when we look at the way that music, song, culture impacts society and freedom or politics or all of these you know big ideas the way they intersect is something which I find absolutely fascinating and hopefully we'll be able to you know intellectually dive into a little bit over the next the next couple of months well we're talking about a tremendous divide within the country now I mean the gulf has become bigger and bigger both in the country and and in the world but there's a responsibility to art isn't there to be on the cutting edge and to help us define what it means to be in this world what it means to be human what it means to interconnect what do you feel like your role is in in making that happen i think that as time as time goes on and I gain more and more perspective and 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 reach, I think that increasingly that sort of big picture view is something which I will want to delve into. I feel like in the last few months for me, I've found my area, my zone is sort of tackling mental health of young people. That's something which I felt I could relate to and I could you know add some some value and help in that in that sphere um potentially in a few years when my understanding of you know political or social um relations is a little bit more developed and a little bit more nuanced maybe there's a way to incorporate music into 
that and to trying to bring people together. Like you said, I think that music and art and public figures in general have this responsibility to bring people together, to unite people, um, and also to kind of guide the path of history in a way. There's always a question of whether it's, you know, if it's the art that's driving it or if history is driving the art, it's kind of a mutual give and take relationship. But you always want to be there at the forefront, sort of leading the way towards a slightly better world if we can, you know, we're never going to get perfect, but just trying to, you know, find that area where you can make that difference and, and guide us forward. Um, and so wherever that's possible, I think it's, it's very important. We are in a very, very divided world at the minute. Um, and hopefully this, this next generation is going to help piece it back together, maybe just a, a little bit, bit by bit. It seems like you've been on the cusp professionally of of, of a major breakthrough. Uh, not to under underestimate what you've done thus far, but it seems like you've been on that cusp of like a potential major breakthrough. But yeah. now you're going to school. What what can we and and we can get you out on this question because we've we've been going for a while. What what do you think we can expect from you? in in the next bit professionally can you think that far into the into the future i think for this next section this next chapter um it's it's about mirroring in many ways this change that is happening for for me and and kind of changing a lot of my lifestyle my literal country that I'm in I'm I'm moving um and from the UK about, to the US right yeah yes exactly yes from 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 London to uh to the states um and it's it's about trying to i guess tell that story of change and turmoil i i always like to write about topics which have a little little bit of I'm not sure if darkness is quite the right word, but a little bit of an edge to them, a little bit of something that you can that you can feel. Um, and I think that there's going to be a lot of emotions and challenges and ups and downs uh, coming my way. And I and I hope that there are because you know the idea of 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 really experiencing this change and this this new life is is something which I find very exciting and hopefully should would be a. Uh, a good a good source of inspiration and and a, a really driving factor in my music so in terms of what i'm writing about i hope that that's the case and in terms of what i'm doing it's just going to be really committing to that and, and trying to put out lots and lots of music out there for people to listen to really focus on that music i think that's what i i do best and what i feel most comfortable and true doing so it's going to really let the music music lead the way um and hopefully usher usher on a new sort of phase of of music for me exactly i mean you've been doing this for almost half of your life thus yeah. far which is kind of a big deal it's pretty, it's pretty insane it's pretty insane and I, I look back at how much time i've i've spent you know working on this and it's it's yeah, it's unbelievable. It's a, it's a lot of time, a lot of focus, and I've loved 
every second that I've spent doing it. So I think that it's a, yeah, it's a big, a big part of my past and definitely a big part of my future. Yeah. And it's interesting listening to you as well, because you're talking about music that has an edge to it. You're talking about creating out of the chaos, but also the, the end product is, is something that, that grabs us and, and, and brings us to, to a happier place as well, that we're, that we're on stage moving with you in a lot of ways through your music. So yeah. I, I love the juxtaposition of the two things where you can work that, that message into something that, that seems really happy and, and light and fun. And, Absolutely. but yet, yet there are two parts of it. So thank you for so much of what you're doing and for joining us and joining us right before you embark on this next adventure that is school. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on this incredible, incredible podcast. It's been a great conversation. Um, so, so fun to talk about this and, and as always, you know, talk to you and, and, and hear about everything. So very, very grateful. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dennis. This will certainly not be the last conversation. We look forward to following you and look forward to, you know, look forward to talking again. So thank you on that. Uh, thank you to all of you for tuning in. I hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, the greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends. Tell your friends to tune in, that these are great conversations. Tune in again next week. Like us, follow us, and we'll do our best to bring you the best content that we possibly can. So Dennis, best of luck. Have a great time in school, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to Chris Whiteout Living It for more stories on the adaptive community the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.